0: Welcome to Control the Controllables. I'm Dan Kiernan from Soto Tennis Academy in Spain, and we've teamed up with Max Tennis Academy in Ireland. We've brought this podcast together to entertain, educate, and energise the tennis community through the different lenses of the sport that we love. From Grand Slam champions to those at grassroots level, from sports journalists to backroom staff, our aim is truly to get under the bonnet of the tennis world at all levels. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to episode 121 of Controller Controllables. The big news in the tennis world this week has been the withdrawal of Naomi Osaka from the French Open. It started a few days ago when, before the tournament started, Naomi Osaka announced that she wouldn't be doing media and press conferences throughout the event. This caused a big stir. Many people will have different opinions on this. We've even had the likes of Piers Morgan sticking his nose in it and, and saying, in my opinion, very unhelpful comments towards Naomi the French Federation is come in for a lot of different speculation over the way they've handled prize money, the way that they've moved the event. And they also have come under a lot of scrutiny on how they were going to respond to Naomi, saying that she wasn't going to do the press conferences. They responded by fining her and also threatening to withdraw her from the event So Naomi took it into her own hands and has now pulled out of the French Open. She's opened up about her mental health difficulties and how the anxiety was growing, having to sit in front of the journalists and answer the questions that she was going to have to answer. And it certainly brought through then mental health a little bit clearer and and onto the, the global world to talk about As you know, here at the podcast, this is something that we feel very strongly about. So we've done our best to try and act quickly and very kindly, Igor Svontek, sports psychologist, Daria Abramovic has agreed to come on to the show to talk about this point, not only about Naomi, but to talk about mental health as a whole and also share her thoughts and share her insights onto how she's been working with Iga, one on the mental health, the day-to-day mental health, but also then on the performance side of psychology as well. Daria has become a pretty big name within the world of tennis because she's one of the first, if not the first, sports psychologist to be travelling 24-7 with a player and this has then resulted in Iga winning the French Open last year. And she gives us some great information on how she's currently working with her to manage her expectations as we move into the second round of the French Open. I hope you enjoy the conversation. I do apologise for the sound. The only chance I could get Daria was while she was in the bubble at the French Open and there is a lot of background noise. But hopefully you can listen through that and still take a lot away from this conversation. So I'm going to pass you over now to Daria. So Daria, a big welcome to Control the Controllables. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Long um, time no see.
0: I uh, know a few weeks since you're over here and it looks like you've caught a little bit of sun, a bit of the Paris sun as well.
1: huh? Yeah, well, I'm fortunate, you know, to be a little bit, uh, maybe not sunburned, but uh, have a little bit little of that because um, as a, as a uh, third person in the team uh, this year, I'm not allowed to go to the main site. and So, you know, every single uh, chance to, to be outside, to be out there on the courts. It's a, it's a great experience, especially at this tournament. And, but
0: you are allowed to go into the players box when Iga plays.
1: Yes, I am allowed to go into the players box directly when, when, when Iga plays. Uh, so it, it's it's a little bit uncomfortable with all the preparation that we have to do but you know again uh, you can control what you can control so basically we kind of adjust and we're doing our best
0: Absolutely. And Daria, when you were at the Academy a few weeks ago, we said it would be great to get you on the podcast. I certainly enjoyed speaking to you then, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit more and pick your brains and hear about the things you're doing. And I think obviously the, the hot news coming out of Paris is Naomi Osaka, and that's brought this conversation maybe forward a, a couple of weeks. So from, from your point of view, what's your thoughts on, on that whole situation?
1: Well, I do think that it's it's a very complex situation. Um, and uh, I think there are so many points of views that we, you know, we could be discussing it and, uh, I think the whole evening. But yeah. first of all, I think that if someone would like to discuss someone's behavior, attitude, decision or choice, we at the same time we shouldn't be discussing their mental health. Because if we don't have full information, the diagnosis, the data, like we are not allowed to do that. And I let me just say it: um, it might be very hurtful. So uh, I do think that this whole conversation should, you know, should should be um, with the empathy and mutual respect. And that's kind of the first thing that's yeah. that's on my mind. And you know, regarding this, this the complexity of the situation. I think that there is something that we could discuss about uh, how um, the external pressure is built. How does it look the specifics of, of high performance sports nowadays and top for top athletes and, you know, uh, how can we educate and raise awareness obviously. So I think there's a lot of layers and a lot Absolutely. of areas into all that.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> what we, and I, and I said this off air to you, Daria, we, we, we've done a mental health awareness week on the podcast it, it's something certainly very close to my heart you know i've been around you know lots of lots of people whether it's staff members players family members and we had a couple of well a lot of fantastic guests but there was one thing that a guest said to me who had who had suffered quite strong mental health issues and he said the it's the feeling of your glass filling. Imagine you've got a glass of water and the glass is filling, 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 and you can't stop it. And then the glass starts to overflow and you just then become so overwhelmed with the situation. And I think when we think of top tennis stars, it's very easy to say, oh, what's their problem? They're staying in nice hotels. They're making millions of dollars. They're doing this. They're doing that. Whereas I would imagine when you're close to this in this real high performance, there's so many things that are filling the glass up. And, mm. and, this, and it's then very difficult to be able to empty that glass, to be able to keep a, a solid ground. I don't know if that, that analogy works for you or you have any thoughts on that.
1: I would modify it a little bit. So, if you have a glass and it's you know it's there's more and more water in the in this glass, you're a little bit it's a little bit easier to to uh, maybe not empty the glass but to pour a little bit of water out of it. But uh, for most of the time, especially for uh, the people who are high functioning in terms of high performance uh, professions, obviously athletes. Um, especially nowadays, doctors, nurses, um, frontline workers, artists, education, business, all these environments, is that it's more or less uh, like a champagne bottle. If you will shake it up and if it's, you know, full, uh, it just blows up. Yep. And with high performance, it's it often blows when an athlete needs to be in their peak. Yeah. So during performance, during an important competition or just before when the stress level is higher, when the tension is bigger. And that's what's happening. Uh, and that actually, on top of that, is happening right now. Especially, I mentioned it just right now, with the COVID reality, or po- even post-COVID for some. So you know, basically in tennis, we we haven't we haven't seen this much um, withdrawals, this much retirement, this much injuries, yeah. tension, sometimes conflicts even. Um, yeah. I think in role... We even we, like we saw so many breakups breaks of serve even in men's game, which is unusual as well because the uncertainty and instability it's it's like everywhere right now, and this is the baggage that we carry on. Uh, and because tennis came back so early after lockdowns, uh, it's one of the first sports that came that came back in this COVID reality and came back with, is important uh, with international competitions with travel and stuff. And sometimes these particular things, experiences, for example, like dealing with press right now, like particular, I don't know, press conference or a question might be a little tip of an iceberg that just shows how full the glass or the bottle is.
0: Oh, very good. And I, and I think on that and where I think there has been a lot of attention around you over the last few months, you know, you you particularly, obviously with eager success, the current French Open champion in, 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 and, and for everyone to see that there's a 19-year-old tennis player who, who is traveling with a sports psychologist. And I'm certainly of the belief that in 20 years time 15 years time i hope even sooner that this that this will be completely normal because if we if we don't take care of our bodies and we don't travel with fitness coaches or physios our bodies break down <laughs> and if we yeah. if and if we're then not working on a daily basis on on our mindset on on the mental side of ourselves then then the chances are that maybe our mind might break down is that something that you think will start to happen should happen and after that i'd love to then get into a little bit more of the details almost of the of the day to day mot that you're almost doing to to help eager on that side
1: i would love to and and, and i'm not saying this just because this is my job but yeah. But yes, I think that if the conversation will, you know, be on and on, if we will talk more about um, taking care of mental health, which is actually extremely important is that we recognize the difference between sports psychology Mm -hmm. and mental training as in terms of, you know, developing some tools uh, that help athletes to uh, to perform their best and mm, psychology in sports, which actually means Again, taking care of the mental health, emotional well-being, healthy career, building the healthy career, um, relationships, assertiveness, communication, and all the other uh, areas. So, yeah, I hope that we will reach this level. And, you know, there it's no secret that it's a lot of work to do, especially in this raising awareness department and education. And I think that that's the work that we need to put in uh, with not only athletes players in terms of tennis but also coaches but also physios but also um stakeholders organizers managers and a lot, a lot of people that are involved in tennis
0: yeah and, and how much of your work would you say is specifically on the sports psychology bit the, the 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 performance bit and how much would you say is on the day-to-day mental health well-being emotional well-being side of things
1: well, you know, athletes really like to have tools, like specific tools, uh, because they feel that they can use the tools. Uh, as people who are task oriented for most of the time, they find the tools really, really worth it to um, to use. Uh, but for you know, a lot of uh, a lot of areas, a lot of situational experiences. We're unable to create the tools, to develop the tools. Uh, so that's why uh, we need to talk about attitudes, behavior, about thoughts. And uh, you know, uh, I think that I, I I won't I won't say what's the proportion here. Uh, it's just day by day it's a little bit different. And it really is it's changing as the environmental factors are changing sometimes and the needs and expectations of a player changes. So it's not even 50 50 it's it's there's more work especially with top athletes and with a young athlete who's actually just you know rode with the doors wide open into the top sport um it's even more it's absolutely more it's more of this conversation about mental health about creating healthy and stable career than uh, working on a mental training and mental tools
0: And when you talk about the tools, I actually, when I, as you know, speaking to Eager on the podcast, I mean, it it really did amaze me just how many tools you can tell she already has on, on, on the mental side of, of life, not just the mental side of the game. But, but there was one thing that really stuck out to me that's how she said she does really enjoy the side of talking to the press and, and dealing with those situations she likes to be able to get those positive messages out is that an area that you've worked with eager on
1: yes absolutely you know we try to cover all the areas that are important for for an athlete's career especially nowadays and especially with this uh, with this global uh, sport not only performance not only practice not only creating the balance between work life personal life and business life as well, uh, with the tennis specifics. Uh, But also, yes, you know, um, living in a public eye, you know, increasing popularity and becoming a public persona, creating a personal brand, obviously. So it it does mean, obviously, um, this building healthy, healthy relationship, I think we might call that with the press and media as well.
0: It's a good way to, way to reframe. I would talk a lot to, to my athletes, to, to the players at the academy on on reframing situations. And And it sounds like, I know this is not just a press thing, but being able to reframe those relationships in a, in a healthy manner requires a lot of work. And, and I guess what that takes me into, Daria, is if you're working with an athlete remotely, once a week, once every two weeks, once a month, which is the traditional psychologist-athlete relationship. As you say, there's so many things to do. How, how do you have that level of impact in such a short space of time? And now that you've been on the road 24-7 with Eager, how do you go back to ever working with an athlete in such a remote way?
1: uh well i work constantly uh like every day you know i have online sessions i'm i'm following other athletes i'm working with but obviously being a, in a team and working day by day it's a little bit different than working remotely uh, or even face-to-face but once to twice a week sometimes so uh, obviously the there is more space and more areas that we can cover uh, and uh, we can work on, being with each other, building team together. Uh, and obviously, with the top sports, it's not only working with the player, but it's also work. It also means working with the coaches, uh, with the management team, sometimes with family,
0: yep. uh,
1: to you know be able to create this healthy and well functioning environment and efficient and close social support network for the player. Uh, And that's kind of one of the most important goals and when I work remotely with, with the market, the specifics, you know, the, this, this, there's different planning, there's a different, a little bit different structure of the work. It's just technical, boring, psychological stuff, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a little bit different than when you're, you're on the road and you see the player every day. You know, sometimes, for example, with you guys, like talking over dinner, um, seeing something on the TV or reading something on Twitter and starting the discussion. It actually helps, sometimes helps more than um 15 minute session at the office.
0: Yeah, well that cause that's what that's what hit me, Daria, at the Academy. It was like you were such a big part of her day. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a case of now, now you go and speak to the sports psychologist.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it, it it's a little bit different. And I've created this 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 a little bit different. A few, there are few reasons to it. So first is that it's really it's easier to to bring all the things that I want to you know work on uh, when you don't have this the schedule, like appointments, uh, because because if you're a teammate, you actually travel together. And it's so it's so difficult to separate like, okay, now we're a team and now we can talk about, you know, uh, fashion or I don't know, shopping or something. And now we start to talk more like a, like a psycho- psychologist, patient. Um, it's the dynamics, it's a little bit different. It's not easy to change it. So uh if you create healthy boundaries and in, in an assertive way and asser- communicate assertively how they will work, and I've put a lot of work to create this environment in this this relationship, it's it's even more effective because as I've said, you know, it's it's sometimes easier even to talk over dinner about something. And I'm, I am I fortunate because there's it's like there's you know, not every athlete will be, you know, uh have this type of personality that it's, it's 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 okay and even ethical to do that, but yeah. actually, with Iga, it's it's very easy because she knows the boundaries. Like she knows where uh, where is the time to work and where is the time to relax a little bit. So yeah. you know, then at, at the same time, uh, I have even more tools to create the, and and even like sort of manage the team yeah. in some ways. Uh, thanks to that. So, yes, you know, uh, it is it is uh, unusual at some point. But if you think about it, like with all the travel with the, you know, sometimes we spent uh, 24 hours with each other and create, again, this, this uh, boundaries, I think. That's one of the keys to have a successful professional relationship.
0: And I also I also think being a female, I think it is important that females have female role models and people that they work they, they work with with it within the team, and I know that's not the the only reason, but when we talk about something that I know is certainly very big to me when it comes to working with players as a first port of call, there needs to be a connection. And and because you could have all the knowledge in the world as a sports psychologist, but if you haven't got that personal connection, that connection to where she's going, to her boundaries, to her values, to all of these areas, then you're just not gonna get your messages through. And and I think, I suppose linking the two together, and I know it doesn't have to be a female to have that connection, but in, in, in a sport where we are traveling 40 weeks a year, if a young 19-year-old is only traveling with males, it can it, it, the, the dynamic can be different. I, I don't know how you feel about the whole connection side of things.
1: Uh, well, I'll approach this from two sides. So first is um, that formally, like gender, it's not the most important thing into creating the successful, efficient and ethical relationship uh, in, in, in this um, psychologist-athlete uh, relationship but connection yes i mean as you've said um one might be the best expert like do you know have all the tools but if there is no vibe, if there's no connection then well it won't it won't go well so that's kind of the first thing i always say at the first you know session is that uh just try and, and allow yourself to think if you'll feel uncomfortable if you feel like well and uh, in the conversation and if not you know no regrets obviously we will try to find you someone else and you know uh with the with the tennis this is the difference the other side of it it's a solitary sport and there's a loneliness into all that and especially uh, with all the travel it's just really good to have someone as i've mentioned before this stable and close social support network and with all the again travel and challenges your team uh, is is often your people and uh and again creating this this healthy relationships it's it's well it's priceless
0: yeah no absolutely well you guys are certainly doing an amazing job you know it's very it's very clear to see how close you all are you know and I think you know the success you've had so far and I think as we are talking here we are eager's moved into the second round at Roland Garros in 2021 for those that might be listening to this a few months or a couple of years as, as the current champion how much of a challenge has that been to to manage that expectation. And I know that's something that is, is very big within your philosophies around the management of expectation.
1: Well, you know, um, we work on, on these expectations uh, for a long time and it's not just now that we started the work. And uh, the part, the, the, the huge part of my philosophy is that the sentence Michaela Schiffrin, she used to say, um, the Alpine scare." Uh, she used to say uh, that she tries to have low expectations and high standards. And I really like this quote. It really resonates. And uh, that's, that's kind of the, the, the idea that we try to, to stick to. Um, and in this pursuit of, of this, you know, uh, moral excellence, uh, it's obviously the most challenging tournament uh, so far for IGA. As we speak, I don't know when, where she's going to stop in Paris this year. Yep. Uh, but one, one thing we try to do is that we, we want to compete. And I want Iga to compete, not de- defend anything. Yep. There is this narrative in, in media, especially, that the, obviously that's true, that she's a defending champion. But as you know, probably perfectly as a coach and former player, it's like, uh, every match has its own story every day is different and if you kind of approach this uh with this with this attitude uh with this mindset then just from the beginning it's it's a little bit easier it is a little bit easier to focus on your technique on on the tactics on you know using your potential and again keeping the standards high so uh you know, when, when Iga had match, match points against Sofia Kaini last year, last for Garros, I was just in this, I was in the mindset, sitting in the players' box, okay, what are we going to do next? So, you know, I, I just started to create this plan. Um, and, well, I think that because Iga's and ours' ultimate goal is to become a consistent player over not only one season, but also obviously over the years, and I think we're kind of doing this well up, up till now. Uh, and it just—it's not about the stats, which are great, but um, but even with the with the feeling being consistent. Because at the end of the day, if if you know if player have a has a good stats and doesn't feel that she or he is consistent and and that you know there is no self confidence in that, the stats doesn't matter. So basically. Basically, I think we're doing pretty good on this in this department, and uh, we will see what the future will bring.
0: Well, you're certainly teaching her well, Daria. Because again, I, on the podcast, I had eager, and then one of my next guests was Paul Anacone. and Paul talked about Roger Federer and Pete Sampras, and he talked about how just how well they knew themselves they they knew themselves in all the situations so they were they didn't panic because they they'd been through the situation so many times and they'd almost found the formula and they understood the process and they understood the things that they had to do and that made me then reflect on what eager had said when we spoke and she'd said almost i've won the french open Without really knowing how I've won the French Open. <laughs> and now, and now we're we're working on finding out how to be in order to have that consistency to to, to then to then develop a, a real career. Could you share with the listeners some of the things that you're doing in order to create that consistent process towards that?
1: Well, of course, and we we obviously uh, divide the process into on and off court areas. So uh, on court we we work a lot on um, cognitive abilities, uh, which you might probably see uh, in, in Soto Grande when we had all our tools yes. and games and stuff. that's that's uh, my way to to create this uh, first of all, like obviously higher level of attention reaction time thinking analysis uh, but also to analyze all the experiences that you know they're coming along the way and we we talk over not all of them but many of them and just to dig a little bit into this cause and effect process. And on court, obviously, we work a lot about this on, on stress management and identifying, which actually I find very uh, relevant. Identifying some key factors that help you to uh, to like recognize actual level of the tension, stress mm-hmm. level. Uh, so that's that's one way and one level of uh, getting to know myself or in Iga's you know case Iga uh, better. And, and you know, off the court, we talk a lot about, uh, as we spoke uh, today, um, creating healthy career, all the areas uh, linked to business, communication, sponsors, partners. Uh, we talk a lot about creating personal brand about finance. So, you know, there's a lot of conversation going on. I, you know, I just try to give you some some books uh, to read, some videos to look at, um, podcasts sometimes to educate, 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 especially for her because she's kind of uh, this type that loves ana- analytical thinking and she's a mathematic mind, so loves solving problems and she really likes to know. And that gives her kind of sense of security and confidence, which is a great asset and great resource to have uh, being an athlete uh, and having this drive to broaden your horizons and get different perspectives on things. So as we spoke earlier, uh, if we, I hope successfully created this kind of environment where we can have open discussion about stuff. Even today, we've kind of discussed uh, Polish history and from different perspectives just before the practice session, uh, because she's reading currently this kind of book. It broadens horizons. It gives a different perspective. It sheds a little bit light. It helps to grow. Uh, so you know, starting from finance through general knowledge, ending with uh, with health, nutrition, and there is a lot of education uh, going on. <laughs> uh,
0: that's, that's awesome. It it is. It's it's absolutely brilliant. And if we said though, Daria, there'll be people listening. Again, the there'll be people listening to this saying, "Okay, great," but Iga Schwantek. Is a French Open champion. She can afford to have someone like you with her all of the time. What if, if I again use the, the, the comparison with physical fitness? Because that's certainly something for me that I, I, I works in my head when I'm working with the players. You know, we have to do these things in order to get physically fitter. So, how are we going to get mentally fitter? So, every day we have to do warm ups. If we don't do our warm up, if we don't do our cool down, if we don't do our prehabilitation work, if we don't do these things. So what are some of the things for players out there, or maybe coaches out there who aren't fortunate to have access to such a top-class psychologist like yourself? What what are some of the things that they could almost have some easy daily wins by doing?
1: Just talk a little, a little bit before that um, about... What I, how I reflect on uh, the discussion uh, regarding Naomi Osaka, her statements and all this whole situation in terms of judgment. Uh, because I saw, and it, it, it bothers, uh, I, I saw some comments, actually a lot of comments saying that there are people who are privileged and this is the stereotype and that they shouldn't be sick. That they shouldn't be suffering from mental health issues because they have all the resources, uh, and if even if, if they are suffering, that it's easy for them to get the treatment to you know get better. And it bothers because uh, it's not like that with mental health. Uh, it really is a complex matter. It's a it's a process that needs uh, not only the financial resources or access to the specialists for example or treatment but also and this is the utmost uh, i think the most important advice uh, creating this stable and close support network social support which actually uh, means technical tactical like uh, specified specialist support but emotional support which actually is a crucial element and crucial thing so my advice for all the players would be to keep your close ones very close to you uh, because sometimes sport might feel as a very solitary uh profession and having an, and and even a champion shouldn't be alone and lonely and that actually uh, reflects on on everyone and the other thing is that I think that even the content we're creating right now, as the podcast, or a lot of, for example, today I I did like tons of interviews concerning uh, regarding this 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 uh, case uh, at Roland Garros, uh, and I am doing that uh, because I think that it might bring a little even little change and educate someone. So listen, read, and pull this like through your filter of your own experiences uh thoughts opinions remembering what i said at the beginning with no judgment in terms of mental health obviously because it might be hurtful but the next thing would be to create and keep the balance between professional life athletes life sport and personal life obviously sport that's the best thing it's a passion but uh, sometimes it might just not be a healthy passion it might start to be a little destructive if we are connected to it too much mm-hmm. and uh, having this balance like you know enjoying little things uh, enjoying sunsets good coffee friends outside of sport uh, travel obviously uh, enjoying the process of the results. It's uh, it's it's a very important thing as well. I know. Again, you we've asked me about the tools and the percentage stats, <laughs> but I I know that it, they, no, these I are mean, not tools.
0: No, but I, but it makes a lot I think sense that there.
1: we we should yep. start with that. Yeah. It's just this the situation oh, with me, on, it just shows like how often we we just a little forget about the simple fundamental things. Uh, Sometimes it's just quality and quantity of sleep, this balance I'm talking about, uh, proper nutrition, social support, uh, enjoying these little things that we try because we strive to perfection. And we could be in pursuit of excellence, which is a very different thing than striving to perfection. And, uh, and, And at the same time, Keep the balance and create the healthy career and and have the healthy perspective.
0: Because I on on that one thing I thought was very interesting again, with you guys was when it was on one day a week that eager isn't allowed to have technology you know, so it's like a technology i have
1: to I, I have to i have to modify this um it's not that she's not allowed to have the technology is that and I, because i'm not a fan of like forbidding something yes yes it's it's that we've been talking through it on and on and she knows how it affects her and when and that's why she kind of decides that she's you know trying to uh, to have this more analogue life, especially when she's close to the tournament. She has this periods of time, especially when she's strongly connected to her sponsors, partners, she has all the off that but she's like very much online. Uh, but, but there are some times that she's off and that's really healthy.
0: And, and just to bring it back to where we started the conversation, Daria, around Naomi Osaka, and not not to talk about Naomi, but I think what it has done and I really, first and foremost, have to say, I really hope Naomi's okay, you know. And that's that's where we need to, the thoughts need to go at first. But if we then move into a, a kind of a bigger picture thing, uh, it, it has brought the conversation to the forefront, you know, and and got us talking about it. Whenever whenever we can bring mental health to the forefront and we can normalize that in conversation, I think it has to be a good thing. We're still we're in the we're in the 20s, 21st century, but we're still, there still is a stigma around it. Maybe not as much as there was, but it feels as if more and more, as these conversations go, we can start to normalise the whole situation. If you had your say in that, what's, what steps can we make, firstly, as a, as a sport, you know, obviously we want to make, make this as a as a society, but if we're talking about in the sport of tennis, what steps can we make to to make this more normal and, and make people really, really understand the realities of mental health?
1: Well, I think that we could raise and should raise an awareness. And it means uh, that there are a lot of people that have things to say and uh, obviously social media and media might be a burden, uh, but also it's, uh, it's somehow a great platform to build their, your own narrative and to kind of show your perspective on things. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of space to use that platform. Uh, and I refer here to, um, to sometimes obviously athletes, but it's, it's tricky, but coaches, but people, you know, former players. A lot a lot of people stakeholders obviously um professionals health uh, professionals uh that they could be um taking taking advantage of this uh of this platform and saying uh, talking about about the decision uh naomi's decision uh, i think that it's uh to be said that it's a huge respect and from me just it's it's appreciation and respect that she decided to share uh, her experience at the end of the day and that it brought the conversation <laughs> forefront so I think that we should start with that I think we should start to talk more about uh, bringing taking care of mental health uh, into the first place not only mental training and sports psychologists because you know <laughs> you've said that there is a still still there is a stigma and I totally agree we just started to talk about mental training mm. and that's just a small piece of the of the mm. whole and i know that there is uh, michael phelps uh, there's some um, lindsey Van, there's michaela schiffren there are more and more athletes uh, that they are vocal about the big picture but what i think is that we should be talking about it more again in terms of the big picture of showing people society what does it mean nowadays to be um, to be top athlete high performance athlete high performance uh, business person you know um, in, in education a lot of uh, professions even myself you know I kind of uh, I kind of function like since March 2020 I'm kind of you know all the time functioning in the crisis management mode and you know to be honest it's sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes the, the recovery has to be increased like you know over the standard and i i completely you know understand that and it's a normal thing for me but um that's how it is that's how it is not only with the Specifics of high performance functioning nowadays, but also with the COVID effect.
0: If you had one message to the listeners to help the narrative and get the narrative turned the way that we want the narrative to go, what would it be?
1: If you want to have an opinion, you're allowed to you about uh, someone's behavior, decision, or choice, but please do not. Uh, judge uh, someone's mental health and you know, just you know uh, say that the person has right or doesn't have right to feel this or that because that might be very help- helpful
0: very good daria now i know and again for those for those listening i know there's a little bit of noise in the background but for daria to come on and speak to us in the middle of a grand slam um, in the bubble, and and I, that's that's why we have a little bit of noise in the background. I can't thank you enough, you know, like I said, the, to, for somebody, a high-profile person like yourself, to be giving those messages, for us to continue giving the good messages out there, for anyone that's listening that is experiencing difficulties themselves, which I, I believe at some point we all do, you know, make sure you're talking to loved ones, make sure you're you're being kind to the person next to you, because you never quite know what anybody is feeling you know and I think if you take that one thing from the podcast then I'm pleased that you've listened but Daria before I do let you go I do have to take you into our quick fire round
1: okay let's do it
0: your favourite Grand Slam
1: uh, Roland Garros
0: clay courts or hard courts? Clay courts should we look at the person or the player Person, person definitely on the road or at a training base on the road roger or rafa rafa (laughs) team or individual
1: team even individual sports it's always a team
0: sport your favorite holiday location
1: miami drop shot or lob drop
0: shot it has to be with eager absolutely Uh, listening to a podcast or reading a book
1: uh, reading a book,
0: what would one rule change be for you at tennis tournaments?
1: Mm, uh, medical, uh, in terms of allergies or uh, changing uh, contact lens.
0: And what's one change that you would make on the tour? So it could be off the court mm,
1: Well, education, education in terms of uh, of all the rules uh, with contacting with the uh, media and press.
0: And who should our next guest be? Mm. yes we get piot <laughs> after after eager wins her second french open in a row we'll get piot on straight after good luck to you and your team daria it's been a real pleasure talking to you uh as i always tell you the whole academy is fully behind you guys it was a pleasure having you out and thank you for coming on the show
1: thank you so much
0: all the best thanks daria My first thank you has to go out to Daria for giving her time. I know, and as I read through my Twitter feed this morning... There's been a lot of different articles written on this on this subject. It's a current hot topic in the, in the news. And Darius certainly has had a lot of requests. Her name is appearing in lots of different global sites as well. So for her to give us 45 minutes to discuss this in the middle of a Grand Slam says a lot about her and also how strongly she feels about getting these messages out there. A few people have asked me my thoughts on this subject. You know, I didn't give too many of my thoughts throughout the podcast because I, this was about listening to what Daria had to say. And I guess in in my in my mind, this is broken down into three separate things. It's it's broken down into the person, the human being. So in this instance, Naomi Sarkar, and that has to come first. And my first port of call is: Is Naomi okay? you know, does she have the support around her, you know, is she doing okay, what is best for her in this situation, you know, that always has to be the first thing and as I said on the show, you know, I urge all of you to be asking those loved ones, those close to you, how they're doing and just make sure you're being kind to people, you know, we never quite know what people are going through, you know, it's very easy for us to judge on these areas you know, and Daria put that very well, who is she to judge Naomi Osaka and we should be never judging the individual. So that's my first thing and that should always take priority. Then once we know that Naomi's okay, I guess it then goes into the question of what the role of a tennis player is. You know, is it the duty of a tennis player to be more than someone who just hits tennis balls? You know, we're in an entertainment business, you know, ultimate, ultimately supply and demand you know, if you, if we want there to be the finance there for these players to get the wages and the the prize money that they get, if we want the big companies to be there involved with endorsements and the whole ecosystem of tennis to grow, and eventually we want that to grow down into more players making money from the sport, more coaches making money from the sport, you know, a whole bigger pot for everybody, then we have to be close to our athletes. And, yes it's not just about press conferences because ultimately i think the media has moved on you know this is one of the things i love about these podcasts we we have our opportunity here to to actually get to know the players a little bit more than than just a headline but i do see it as the duty of players to be speaking to you guys you guys who are who are buying the tickets you guys who are buying the the equipment and you guys that are that are putting the money into the tennis ecosystem, that ultimately paying the TV fees, you know all of these things, which ultimately come out in being the prize money for 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 the players. So I I do think the players have a strong duty to connect. And and my thought on it, if if you're not feeling physically healthy or mentally healthy enough to do what it takes to play these events then I would say that it, the best thing is to actually remove yourself from the event. You know, if if you're, we say that to players all the time, if you walk on that court, you're 100% ready to go. And I think there is an argument that if you walk into playing that Grand Slam, you're, you're, what you're saying is you're signing up to being physically and mentally healthy enough to do what it takes to be part of that Grand Slam because they are the absolute top of our our game it's it's where everybody's eyes are looking it's the biggest opportunity for us to be selling the game of tennis and we want all of our players to be in in the best possible place you know so that would be my second point the third point would be around the press and the media you know, and they've come in for a lot of stick, fairly unfairly, I don't know. I think there's obviously a lot of people in the world of media that do great jobs. Uh, I'd i like to think there's lots of people that can do it with empathy and understand that they are first and foremost dealing with human beings. And if you build those relationships and are able to do that, then I think that's the time that we can get the most insight out of these players, If we get these players on on the defense and we attack them with questions that we shouldn't be asking, if we attack their personalities and make them feel in in a bad way to the point where they're struggling to actually want to speak to you, then you're not going to get anything of value out of them anyway. You know, so I think it is really important that those relationships are built strong, and I think we need to look at that a little bit differently now. You know, gone are the ages where the only way that a player talks to us is through a press conference. You know, if I want to know something about Naomi Osaka, I'll go to her social media platforms. You know, I'll plug in Naomi Osaka into a Twitter search. You know, and social media now has become such a a strong tool for these players to be able to talk to us and give the narrative that they want, you know, show us the sides of them that they want to show us, and then for us to connect to our athletes in that way, for us to want to be engaged in what they're doing on the tennis court. So I think. Overall, I think we're getting a little bit too carried away about the press conferences and how important they are, Um, but I would also say the press and some of the press need to take a little look at themselves as to why it is that players are reluctant to speak to them. You know, in, in this day and age, there's many different ways to get the correct insights, the correct narratives, the correct entertainment across and... I would urge everybody out there to try and continue doing that in an empathetic way. Get to know them, build those relationships, and you'd be amazed at what the the genuine, authentic insights that would come from there. My last thing to say is a big thank you to you guys for continuing to listen. I really do hope Naomi Osaka will be back on the court very soon. If there is anybody out there that is having their own mental health struggles, you know, please do reach out to those close to you taking that first step to talk about how you feel is is an important step to take and make sure you're taking time for yourself as Darius spoke about you know there's those little daily things that we do from a physical point of view we move we warm up we stretch we sleep you know we try and put the right food in our bodies you know but are we what little things are we doing sitting down writing down things that we're grateful for that might take 2 minutes in the morning spending some time doing a little bit of yoga a bit of mindfulness allowing ourselves that 10 15 minutes a day i think is a is a is a really important thing for us to do and as well as making sure last and least certainly not least making sure you're being kind to everybody who you come across As always, a big thank you for listening. We have more exciting guests on your way. We have Tara Moore, who is a British tennis player been as high as around 150 in the world, has some big opinions around equality in terms of prize money, equality in terms of tournaments, and is actually playing a role in bringing together a player's union on on the woman's side. She's a great girl, and that's going to be a fantastic podcast. We've got the youngster, Arthur Ferry, who has set the world alight over the last couple of years on the juniors and, and now at Stanford University. And he's also back now playing some some tournaments throughout, throughout the summer. He's a British guy with a, with a French parent and he had some serious flair to his game. So I'm really excited for that conversation. Those are a couple you can look forward to coming soon. And I promise you the list is long. It's not going to stop. There's lots more coming your way. So thank you for listening. Keep the ratings, keep the reviews. But until next time, I'm Dan Kiernan, and we are Control the Controllables.